on Rogue Padron. Fruit Fizz, double, no ice. The ugliest ships you've ever seen, and Planet Side Recreation. This is Rogue Leader, all wings report in. Rogue Six, standing by. Rogue Seven, standing by. Rogue Three, standing by. Listeners, sorry we had to take a week off. I'm sure you super missed us. But tonight we're back with Season 7, Mission 3 of Rogue Padron. Not just regular missed us. They super missed us. Super missed us. Because what else are they going to do to enjoy their summer besides probably stay at home and listen to a Star Wars podcast? What a bunch of nerds. Nerds. (laughs) And in case you forgot, us nerds. Here's a quick reminder of your hosts. If Rogue Three, Heath, was a, car- a creature from Greek mythology, mythology, yeah. Mythology. Oh my god, I've been waiting for these intros since day <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm like literally perched on the top of my seat now. <laughs> Heath would be a Gorgon because when you piss him off, he's a stone cold bitch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> don't Don't come for me unless I sent for you. rogue six danny would be severus the three-headed dog because he just wants to do a good job and also shows up in harry potter yay (laughs) i just want your approval is that too much to ask (laughs) please like me also i'm you're a wizard harry (laughs) Rogue Seven, Saf, would be a siren because she lures dudes in with her cute accent, but she really intends to destroy them. <laughs> yes. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be, and I can't pronounce this, so this totally fits, <laughs> and Arrhenius, which is a fury because I gotta listen to the complaints of mortals all the time and deal out swift justice. Uh-huh, Love it. uh-huh, 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 yep. uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So there you go, Danny. I hope that was worth the wait. I am satisfied. Speaking okay. of satisfaction, <laughs> I get none this week because my question about Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi makes me sad. <laughs> and also, I don't understand why I'm asking it, but that's what I get for outsourcing the Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi question, which is apparently there was a kerfuffle on the social media today, uh, and there are now copious rumors floating around about one Chewbacca the Wookiee and his poor friend. Did he eat him? It? Did he? Did Chewbacca the Wookiee eat the porg? Did he eat it? Is the question. I'm, I'm done. I don't My prediction is going <laughs> to be, yeah. And I, I think look- it's going to be a thing where Chewbacca like wants to eat the porg and tries to, but like Ray or Luke walks in on him and is like, what are you doing? Or something. They'll do something funny with it so the pork doesn't actually die. So it's going to be like a Chewie's going to be the comedic yeah. relief on Akshtu. Yeah. Wow, really? Is that how it's pronounced? I don't think so. I think it's Akshtu. <laughs> in fact, Make it I'm real. fairly certain it's not. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know what the real pronunciation is, but I don't think it's. That. It's just it's porg. Just porg is what? probably correct. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> what if the G is silent though? What if it's just a porg? Oh my porg. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> or the P is silent. That's a silent G. Porg. You know, one of those silent G. All the letters are silent. You just never say it out loud. Wow. <laughs> so I think the evidence of Chewie eating the pork is pretty incriminating. I mean, the evidence. What okay. evidence? So <laughs> that video clip. That, Help a newbie a out. What's the evidence? There's an actual clip of him like turning around and looking at the camera and he's got like a feather in his mouth or something. What? What is this from? The Star Wars show. I don't watch that. They released a Neither clip from I. the I movie just, on the Star Wars show? 11.38 tweeted a gif of it. I don't trust them. Alright. <laughs> I feel like if they released an actual footage from the movie on the Star Wars show, it would be a bigger deal and I would No, I think it. it's like behind the scenes kind of stuff, I think. Uh, oh, so I don't think... The movie. I, then I don't think it actually happens. No, they're just trolling. Oh, I see. Cho- okay. Then Chewie just ate the porg off screen. <laughs> I don't think he actually eats the porg. I think he just borrowed a feather for this funny outtake. Yeah, maybe. Don't sound so uh, well, like. Oh, the feather is also visible in his mouth in the entertainment we- weekly photo of him. What? Oh yeah. Like this has the feather in Chewie's wow. mouth has been a thing for like a couple of weeks now. This goes deep. Couple wow. of weeks. How have I not heard about it before today? I don't pay attention. To Anthony Bresnikan blew this thing wide open a couple weeks ago. We Am totally I really a Star Wars it. fan? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. We're all fake, <laughs> except for him, apparently. It's okay. So here's. It seems like. Uh, do you think that when they released this as a real, they expected that Porgs would become the instant sensation that they became, or do you think that they just expected it to be one more part of the sizzle reel? And no, if I, I th- if they didn't anticipate it, are they now backtreading, trying to like prepare people? Like, actually, it's great you love porgs, but Chewie eats one of the movies, so we want you to know that. Or are they trolling people because they've become such a sensation? I think they're trolling. Yeah, they're probably trolling. But I think they didn't plan on the porgs becoming like the new cute Ewok thing because you don't just like announce merchandise and stuff like a week yeah. up something gets super hype when you're a company that big i was gonna Dude. say they have like a giant porg plush coming out on force friday and that is something that takes like months if not years to like for, for production and, pre- yeah. Yeah, yeah so but do you, i mean i guess they what know. i'm wondering is do they have plushes of other things that they haven't released and the only reason they release those is because of the reaction from the fans yes okay <laughs> <laughs> great conclusive <laughs> correct <laughs> great is that is there anything we else want to say about porgs before we leave wait did, did we blow this whole oh, thing God. open it seems like we're two we two and two on this i think th- i think a porg will be in chewbacca's mouth but it won't result in a, a porg death oh, that's yeah, my, oh you gotta lose my prediction i'm with hate there which l- allows them to troll like this right Oh. Okay, quick follow-up. How many plush porgs will you all end up with in your homes after Force Friday? Probably zero. Yeah, either zero Probably. or one. At Like, during the weekend of Force Friday or just ever? Just, like, over the course of your lifetime. Uh, I'll probably have I'll probably have one. I'll probably get I'll probably end up with at least one, either because I found one I really want or someone gave it to me as a gift or something. Yeah, um, I imagine somebody I, would give me one as a gift. At least one. At least one. How many will you have, Danny? I don't. Yeah. 
It's not important. We're, we're, we're talking about <laughs> chapter seven now. What was that? It's fine. How many porks are you going to have, Danny? No, it's fine. Is it greater than maybe one? They're, they're, just, they're just fictional creatures. It's not anything to get hyped about. Danny, come on. Come on. Let's just say that the number as Danny, Danny erases the hand-drawn tattoo design <laughs> for a board that he just. I can see like my two shelves of Ewoks right now, so I'm not not going to give you a hard time about the board. I mean, the thing is, I do want to I I do want to wait until the movie because I don't want to have been completely trolled by Lucasfilm. That said, the number will probably be greater than one and less than a much larger number than one. <laughs> Danny will have a full murder of porgs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if let's just say that if there's not a plush porg sitting on my lap at the premiere of The Lost Jedi, I'll be very sad. That's oh. so adorable. That's really cute, actually. <laughs> now I feel like I need to bring something to the theater. <laughs> bring a plush old Luke. <laughs> You can sit on your lap and be sad. Just, just make make sure you use the slightly smaller Luke so you can still see. Well, obviously, yeah. of course, yeah. yeah. Have to see okay. over him. Come on! Oh my goodness! I'll wear my helmet. Yeah. Yeah, you better. You should just always wear your helmet to all things forever. Everywhere. Oh man, Everywhere. we just wasted a really good Star Wars episode eight, the Last Jedi question. We'll use it next time. Yeah, edit it out. <laughs> Three we'll of the four time. of us have answered already. We'll make up new, out. better answers. Oh, okay, great. Okay, great. All right. Great. Well. <laughs> great. Great, great, great. Great. <laughs> Speak of things that are great, <laughs> let's do chapters seven through nine of X-Wing Solo Command. To be fair, actually, a lot of not great things happen in these chapters, but we'll we'll go along with it. The chapter starts with 23 fighters returning to the Mon Ramonda, some of them piloted as if the people inside were drunk or worse. Because remember, half of them were lit on fire. <laughs> Against the doctor's orders, Face returns back to his lonely quarters covered in back to patches. He momentarily feels guilty for all he has now, but pushes it aside and lets anger replace it. Until he hears the scritch, 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 and remembers his duty to take care of his glass prowlers. Some excellent continuity happening here. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's great. They care about this. I got very excited when I saw scritch, scritch, scritch. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Wedge knocks on his door to check on how Face is feeling, especially about the mission. Face says he knew Wedge would ask him, so he's been thinking about it. Obviously, he doesn't feel good about the body count, considering they wrecked those Imperial forces. He also doesn't feel great about Runt and Wiz being in back to tanks, and only four pilots of his are fit to fly, but overall, he thinks the mission was a, a success. The race had a mission objective, and they accomplished it, and they all made it out alive, basically. They also went into an absolute murder house and survived everything <laughs> Warlord Gabor threw at them. Every part of that building was designed to mean to kill them, and it didn't. So once the wait, once the race realized that, it'll be harder than ever to stop them. The fact that Warlord Gabor even went to so much trouble and expense to take out the race shows that they're respected and that they're formidable. They may have been burnt around the edges, but they won. 
Which remarks that he doesn't have to talk much to talk to Face about, thinking he'd have to go cheer him up and rationalize why they did good today. Face remarks that a year ago, maybe even a month ago, before Ton left. This would have broken him, but he knows better now for the sake of his pilots. Uh-huh. Face is going... <laughs> Just, there's that little emotional Face is going to put in a commendation for Kel and for his initiative and for Wiz's bravery. Wedge says Wiz doesn't need any more, but Face thinks he can make a little fort out of them. Wedge leaves with a smile. I... I'm so glad that like Wiz Jansen is such a screw up, but he's also so good at his job. Yeah, I love the fact that he has so many medals. Right. He like he like can't walk in a straight line, but he has all the medals. Right. This is the guy who thinks it's a good idea to yell, shoot, at, like, his commander. (laughs) (laughs) And I also know how Aaron Alston likes to drop little one-liners and then, like, have them come back in a big way later. So I'm really hoping we see a fort made out of Wiz's medals later on. Oh, that'd be amazing. Let's see. There's another knock on Face's door, and Dia rushes into his arms, careful to avoid his backpack to patches, and kisses him. A long one. When they pull apart, Face remarks that he's glad they came in the proper order because he would have hated to give uh, Dia the chair and the commander the kiss. <laughs> and we are going to have a little bit of more romance with a couple of our favorite messed up rakes. Yes. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Bronos, not to be confused with Bro Jace, or Corin Bro, settled onto the stool next to Lara's and looked across the bar. Fruit fizz. Double. No ice. He said. Lara looked curiously at him. You know there's no one tending bar. Sure, but some of the old formalities have to be maintained. Donos looked around. The two of them were the only people in the pilot's lounge. Not unusual, considering the lateness of the hour, and the way no one much felt like celebrating. I was wondering if you'd thought about what I'd asked you to. You, you mean. Well, us, really. Sure, I had plenty of time. When I wasn't planting comm markers, shooting at stormtroopers, and tending the injured. That's what I thought. She gave him an exasperated look. Lieutenant, will you give me an absolutely honest answer? Call me Min. And sure. What do you want from me? He took a deep breath, stalling as he composed his answer. I want to get to know you better. What I do know, what I've seen, suggests that we'd be good together. I want you to stop saying it can't ever be. Stop throwing that up as a theory and let us accumulate some evidence. I want to make you smile with something other than a wisecrack. I want to know who you really are. Her laugh. <laughs> Am I supposed to laugh here? sudden and hard startled him oh no you don't try me Lara does anyone know who you really are that put a stop to her hard edged amusement she had to take a moment to consider no even yourself least of all me so how do you know no one can love you for what you are until you know you can't have friends You can't even really have family. You have to be absolutely alone in the universe. He took a moment to settle his thoughts. Lara, I just want you to give me a chance. But even more, even if it's not with me, 
I'd really like to see you give yourself a chance. She looked away from him, studying the gleaming brown surface of the bar top. Real wood, protected by so many coats of clear sealant that it shone like glass. He could see thoughts maneuvering behind her eyes, could see her examining them as if measuring and weighing trade goods. But her expression wasn't clinical, it was sad. Finally, her voice quiet, she said. All right. All right? Meaning exactly what? All right, I'll stop avoiding you. All right, let's get to know one another. All right, let's find out if we have some chance of a future together. She looked back up at him. I'm pretty sure I'm going to break your heart. Well, that's a step in the right direction. Can I break yours too? She didn't smile. Maybe you already have. Who talks like this, man? gonna be bad it hurts so good <laughs> oh buddy buddy uh. oh no <laughs> man why <laughs> oh buddy oh dear well i'm sure they'll live happily ever after and nothing bad will happen at this point forward correct this can only end well correct everyone is so right <laughs> It's so nice to be so right. Speaking of people who are super right. <laughs> Aboard the Iron Fist. <laughs> Wait, hang on. <laughs> General Melwar doesn't usually get queasy having to talk to Warlord Gabor, but he does when he has to bring him some bad news bears. Like right now. Melvar tells him a word from Saphalor and puts the report in front of him, but Warlord Gabor can tell something is off. Melvar explains that none of the race were killed and Rogue Squadron was there and strafed a base just for some funsies. When Warlord Gabor asks what Gast has to say for herself, Melvar has to explain eyewitnesses reported her being taken alive. Warlord Gabor is so mad about it. So much so that the guards outside peek in to make sure that Warlord Gabor is not being attacked. Gast knows about something called the minefield in Chubar, which is a terrible name for a planet. He cannot have this. He tells Melvar to activate their man on the Mon Ramonda. They are to kill Gast if they see her and kill their primary targets regardless. He also asks Melvar to speed up Project Funeral. <laughs> what? Good naming there. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> His plans will be ruined if he keeps having these upsets. Oh, Warlord so. Gabor. He just... What terrible names for things. Yeah, like, what is going through his brain? I'm going to name Project. all my Star Destroyers after strip clubs, and I'm going to <laughs> name my project they're, that they're is going to involve clubs, killing yeah. people. <laughs> oh, sorry, Gentlemen's Clubs. Gentleman Gabor, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a gentleman. Gentleman Gabor. <laughs> Although we're now using no parts of his real name. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He's only Gentleman Gabor in the evenings on his off time. Yes. In, in the evenings. <laughs> oh, no. What a terrible mental image. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oy vey. Um, also, this this activating their man thing is kind of creepy. 
Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it turns bad, Danny. It's not gonna be good. No, I don't want it to turn I, bad. I know. I know you haven't read the show notes yet, but <laughs> it don't be bad. <laughs> Speaking of things that turn out badly, <laughs> on Coruscant, Mon Mothma finishes preparing herself for another holonet address. Random Mon Mothma appearance. Why not? She's Suddenly, a wild her- Mon Mothma appears. She's got the stuff. Dude. <laughs> I made a Pokemon reference and I didn't even get Pokemon. You did. That was good, Danny. <laughs> Thank you. you it was a really good one, too. How do you? Oh, no. World of Gabor used Assassin. It was. <laughs> <laughs> She's starting to feel her battles, having to make herself look more spirited and energized than she feels. She meets up with her two aides, Milan toward. Grina, a man from Alderaan, as detailed-oriented as a protocol droid, and Tolokai, her gotol bodyguard. Tolokai says he has something to ask of Mon Mothma, and the gracious woman she is asks him what it is. Tolokai says this is for all gotol people and brings out a vibroblade. Milan steps in front of her, taking the blade to his chest. Rip. Yep. (laughs) Did you just say rip? (laughs) 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 What? We barely knew you, Tolokai. Oh, or Milan. Or Milan, whoever. I didn't I couldn't even didn't even have a chance to learn who was who <laughs> before they were dead. Mon Mothma runs, but she ends up falling down the staircase and coming to rest at the bottom. Tolokai comes after her, asking her to accept her death as she should. Before he can reach her, Milan topples over the railing onto Tolokai, and both of them hurtle down the staircase, and they come to rest across her legs. Before he expires, Tolokai mutters, Iwo, I won't be getting you that coffee. And Mon Mothma calls for help. Very cryptic. Yep. Wait, is it Tolokai that says that or the other one? Tolokai. Oh. Yeah. So it's a... cryptic. Do you want me to explain it? No, no, I get it now. I understand. Right. I want you to explain it. Yes. Okay, so it is... (laughs) Thank you, Danny. I'm not as smart as Saf. It is inferring the fact that as we get later in these chapters, and as we kind of know because we've seen the people being um, triggered, that so the last thing that Tolokai actually remembers is leaving to get his friend Iwo coffee. And so we know then that something there was the the trigger at that point. That's when it set him off. Yeah. Oh, sad. Also, Aww. Mon Mothma falling downstairs is like the most un-Mothma, un-Mon Mothma image possible. Right? Can you imagine that? Like, she's it's just so always so forward. regal and, and, yeah. and, yeah. and upright. Yeah, I, I just like <laughs> can't picture her on the ground. Like, yeah. I can't imagine her in any horizontal position ever. <laughs> <laughs> Even like sitting, I'm like, sitting is a stretch. <laughs> she just stands on chairs, so she's tall. She stands all the time. We go back to the Mon Ramonda, where there's some ginger named Galley, and he works in a galley, which, Aaron, come on. <laughs> <laughs> For real right now. Aaron's like, oh my god, I'm almost done with the series, I just need one more name, whatever. More. <laughs> I'm gonna take the extra L out. <laughs> Space. It's pronounced Gailey, excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> I swear if I get an email like that, I'm going to be really mad. 
he so galley programs menus and he makes sure that there's always hot calf for meetings it's a position that doesn't pay well and has no benefits so when some dude comes to him with an offer of a lot of money he doesn't refuse Galley has figured out the catering quests to be some sort of code. A.K.A. he realizes the patterns between orders and who calls the meetings. Like impromptu meetings held by Han require more calf than the ones by Captain Onoma. Meetings with pastries and meat rolls means the pilots are going on a mission. He has been tasked to kill someone and he thinks he'll use this skill to do it. This was random. All right. <laughs> I think Eric just wanted to talk about meat rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Galley stops at Taldira outside of the meeting room. He tells him that Wedge Antilles hops on one transparasteel leg. Which, let me tell you how I could never spell transparasteel right in these show notes. It's a a stupid word, I'll tell you that much. Right, but it's in the autocorrect, so we're all good. Nice. It shocks Taldira, saying that he hates that and he needs to put a stop to it. Galley tells him to wait until they're in their X-Wings to do it, and Taldira says Galley is a good friend. Galley then goes to talk to another Twi'lek. Swear to God. Galley. The Monromanda is en route to uh, Jusafet. Or who's... I'm going to say Husafet. I'm going to make it a... <laughs> Jusafet. <laughs> do not Jusafet. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron really Never juice a fet. <laughs> fet juice is the worst kind of juice. Yeah, I'm going to say who's a fet. There we go. Good plan. Juice a fet. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me... I'm emailing myself that to remind myself to make that a Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I'm so glad. <laughs> a Duros ship picked up a distress signal from Husafet 4. That the Raptors are doing a full That's like what uh, Django used to say to little Bobo when he was a kid. Who's a fat? Who's a fat? Who's You're a fat. fat. You're a fat. That's a good fit. Who's a fat? Who's a fat? Or if like Jar Jar was talking to him. Oh, we just can never say this character's name. It's not a character, it's a planet. You's a fat. You's a fat. go in to stomp some raptors and be the Iron Fist too. So the Empire is not likely to intervene in this scenario, at least not quickly. They'd hang back to assess the strength of the forces before coming in. Corrin asks if this is going to be a trap like last time, but the relay from the Duros shows it's a full-scale raptor attack rather than the whispers of what they usually get. Who? The the Duro ship that called in help. No, I meant who's, who's Corrin? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Corn Horn, a pilot. <laughs> he's a pilot. Polearm Squadron will lead into the fray with Nova and the Rogues flushing out Warlord Gabor's troops from the asteroid belt. The race with their four pilots will escort the troop ships down to the planet. Face does his best impression of Taldira, saying that this time the race are doing the babysitting, and they'd be happy to do babysitting anytime. Everybody laughs except Taldira, who doesn't even look up. Face and Min notice, as well as Corin. 
They're dismissed and Face remarks to Min that he wishes he could be flying with him. Min says he's glad he isn't, which Face is like, excuse me right now. <laughs> because Min <laughs> thinks that being in charge is a nice change of pace. Feel free to sit out anytime. As they all depart, Min hears Galley call out for Flight Officer to Alin. Taldira struggles to get through his pre-flight checklist, just mad at Wedge for hopping on one transparent steel leg. He notices one of his engines isn't optimal, and he'll have to go get it tuned after he kills Wedge and Tilly's. I'm the pilot- really curious about the brainwashing mechanisms going on here. Yeah. Because the reason that Taldira wants, it seems, the reason that Taldira wants to kill Wedge and Tilly's is because he hops on one transparent steel leg. Like, worst. how dare. How dare. Right. So rude. <laughs> the pilots arrive at Husafet, and they deploy. <laughs> There's no, you can't maybe win. The tea, maybe the T is silent. Husafet. 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 Just after. Oh, gosh. Tal settles in while he waits for the opportune moment to strike. Main calls Tyria out for being out of formation. She didn't realize she was doing it, but then she spots the A-Wing that is heading back toward the Mon Ramonda with a case of false engine failure. She, shout- she shouts a warning for them to put up their shields. But it's too late. The torpedoes hit and the-, the glass shatters, the bridge venting out into space. Han manages to stay in his chair, but notices the blast door starting to close. If it does, then they're all dead. He takes out his blaster and shoots the door control, halting the door and giving the bridge crew the chance to escape. The problem is that the A-Wing is still out there and still ready to shoot them all again. It was a pretty badass Han Solo moment there. It's pretty good. Like, it was yeah. it was a good Han Solo being Han Solo moment. Kind of like we haven't mo- had any. Makes me think of the moment in Force Awakens when he shoots the person behind him without looking, like, super nonchalant. Yeah. Like, that's how I imagine this going down, too, where he's very nonchalantly just, like, pew. Right. Doesn't even, doesn't even need to know. Yep. Yep. Let's see. Corin manages to warn Wedge to break before Taldira can finish a perfect lock on his X-Wing. He is still hit, his engine smoking as he veers off, Tycho keeping pace with him. Noir Venn, meanwhile, is trying to negotiate with Dr. Gast. She demands one million tax-free credits, a new identity, and amnesty from all crimes known or unknown. Noir offers 100,000 credits and amnesty only to crimes confessed. She insists on one million credits and continues to taunt him, saying she'll withhold information to get more people killed on purpose. She also demands a human negotiator and insults him. But at that time, before Noir can get mad about it, blaster shots are heard from outside. Noir hides gasp behind her bed and goes to the door to try to stop the attacker, but something is thrown in his eyes and the attacker shoots through the bed repeatedly. Noir manages to disarm and then shoot the attacker. Nice to which, get a little Noara trashy romance in here. Yeah, which turns out to be Galley, because they're like, oh, who's this orange beardo? It's Galley. <laughs> Tyria locks her S4 as an attack position and warns Polarm 2 to stand down or she'll shoot her down. Or that actually ends up being a him. I just put her just because. Taldira continues to try to get a target lock on Wedge, but Tycho stays firmly wedged, haha, between them. Ha ha ho. Yep, good one, everyone. 
Daiko <laughs> warns him to power down and return to the Mon Ramonda, but he insists that he's not the enemy, wedged that one hop that one leg hopping maniac is. The other rogues stay in formation except Corin, who doesn't approach but flies out around. Han and Onoma do their best to make it to the door, but they can't quite reach it. Then Chewbacca is the hero we need. And right before Han gives up hope, he reaches in to grab him. He continues to pull the bridge crew out one by one until there's an explosion that injures Chewie in the chest, but he confides that they've all been rescued. See, Chewie is such a hero, he would never eat a porg. Come on. Never eat a porg. Absolutely not. <laughs> he would celebrate by eating a porg. Oh, no. Eat several porgs. Chewie's a vegetarian. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Wookiees aren't vegetarian. <laughs> Do you remember Return of the Jedi, though? He went after that meat-like hunk. Yeah. Chewie's definitely at least carnivorous. Con- at least. At least I mean, at least omnivorous. <laughs> More than- <laughs> he's, he's extra carnivorous. <laughs> he's a super carnivore. Uh Tyria follows Polarum 2 around the Mon Ramonda, and she tries to plead with them again, but she fires off her proton torpedo, and Polarum 2 is no more. Taldira besieges Tycho to get out of the way, and Corrin gets on the comm to confront him, telling Taldira that what he did was dishonorable. He shot Wedge in the back. Wedge's X-Wing is drifting into Corrin's path, meaning Taldira will have to fight head-to-head with Corrin if he lets them continue on. But Taldir struggles. It's the Twi'lek warrior's motto of honor above all. He admits that what he did was dishonorable, and he'll throw away his honor again to complete his mission, leaving his family and his people shamed. He opens fire on Tycho anyway, but Korn shoots him from his distance. Wedge can feel and see the flash of light behind him as Rogue Five's signal flickers up from his board. He asks Korn if he's fit to fly and tells Tycho to take command of the squadron as he goes and to trade out X-Wings. Tycho, sending his pain in his wedge, takes the squadrons in. Oh, Taldira, we barely knew you. We've definitely known him more than we have other people who have died. That's yeah. true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I was really surprised that a rogue died. I, w- I would have thought that the rogues would have been reserved for Michael Stackpole only to kill. But I guess I wasn't as surprised that this was not one of Stackpole's original rogues. So I guess it's okay. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, I. That was yeah. like I was like sometimes Agreed. sometimes there's long silences, but that was like the longest silence. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to mute for a second. Anybody else could have jumped in though. So that wasn't. That wasn't. I'm sorry, I was muted too. I was. My bad. I was just nodding because I agree. <laughs> So that's not helpful on a podcast. A little podcasting 101 for you here. (laughs) All right. So the next chapter, thankfully the mission that started in disaster for the New Republic ended in disaster for the Raptors. Polom Squadron easily strafed Raptor encampments and shuttles on the ground. Ground forces took out the base and the Rogues and Nova Squadron easily took out the troops of Ties and the Carrot Cruiser. They tried to go after the three-ship invasion force, but they ran away when they saw the Mon Ramonda enter their area. Of course, no one really says thank you because Husafet IV is an imperial world, and they don't especially like the New Republic any more than they like Warlord Gabor. 
As the rogues are meant to return to the Mon Ramonda, they track the Imperial Star Destroyer Agonizer jump into the system. They ask for a face-to-face with Wedge, but he's too good of an assassination target, so Wedge tells them to volunteer face Lauren instead. When face lands inside the... I don't know, landing bay. I didn't want to say landing twice. The landing bay of the agonizer. Instead, you He's said nervous. it three times. I know. See, it's better than two. But he doesn't let it get the better of him. As he gets out of his X-Wing, he tells Vape to trigger the self-destruct if anyone comes within three meters. Which, X-Wings don't actually have a self-destruct, but don't tell that to anybody either. When he meets Admiral Terran Rogris, he laughs at the decadent feast on the table in front of him. Thankfully, Rogris is amused and not angry about Face's sass, as Rogris comments that his holos were puerile, and Face shoots back that of course they were. They were imperial propaganda. Can we find any immediate origin of the name Rogris? Rogris? I don't. I don't know. It kind of sounds like someone saying walrus with a funny accent. Maybe it was. Rogris. Walrus. <laughs> Walrus? No, maybe not. Okay. So Walrus is the Imperial's counterpart. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> They're getting frustrated and would much rather go back to the times where it's just Imperials versus Rebels. He extends a super secret but still from the highest levels offer to share all of the information they have on Warlord Gabor and the New Republic will do the same. If he receives any transmission from Han directed to him, he will accept it as a yes. Face being a super good bro asks why Baron Fell is flying with Warlord Gabor. Walrus explains that Fell is a habitual traitor and that the 181st that's flying with him is not the real one. He just slapped their logo on their ties, but the real forces are still with the Imperials. Wedge meets with Han thinking that he's never seen someone look so dang angry. Han is going to accept Walrus's offer, and he has enough power to do so without talking to the higher-ups. He fills Wedge in on Mon Mothma's attack, and she's badly injured. There were two more attacks in a barracks and a theater with a lot of human casualties. In one case, the attacker was struck down, but in the other, they took their own life. Wedge comments that that's what Taldira did too, and he explains that before he took his last shot, he moved all of the power to real shield, rear shields, leaving the front open for attack for Corrin to take him out. About Galley, Han says that there's no known motivation, a.k.a. it was because of money. He has to be their link because the people saw him talking to both Taldira and Tualin. Because he was sent to kill Gast, they know he has to be working specifically for Warlord Gabor. Han then tells Wedge the worst news. I was so mad at that line. Oh, same. Yep. Wedge has Dia, Nawara, and Koyi in his office. Effective immediately, they're all off active duty. It's a fleet right order from the Provisional Council, and Koyi tells Wedge off about how the promises of equality only extended so far. Dia leaves with a mocking smile to go be with the race, people who actually want her. But Noara stays put, and honestly, Wedge agrees with Koyi. So, Koyi's kind of awesome. She's great. Have we heard from her before, or is she just like one of the other random squadron pilots? 
Yeah, she's a she's a mechanic for the rogues. Okay. So she's the cover of the rogues. Gotcha. Wedge asks Nawara if a one-leg hopping maniac means anything specific in Twi'lek culture. And I can only picture the look on Nawara's face as he pulls up his robe to, to remind Wedge of his prosthetic leg. <laughs> Good work, Wedge. Awkward Wedge. <laughs> Awkward Wedge is the best Wedge. <laughs> Often the only Wedge. <laughs> I love it. Oh, buddy. But no, it doesn't have any specific Twi'lek meaning. Wedge has an epiphany about cause and effect. He realizes that even if Akbar and Mon Mothma didn't die, the assassins were successful, and Koyi was the first victim. He asks Noir to gather the race and any of the rogues who want to for one of their nutter speculation and planning sessions. I love how he's just embracing it at this he point. Knows. He knows exactly what it is. Yeah. He's only lying to himself otherwise. Right. All the race gather except Runt and Wiz who are still in Bacta, as well as Noara, Taiko, Hobby, and Corin. Wedge comes in and explains that they know they now know these attacks are a plan of Warlord Gabor. He asks them why Warlord Gabor is doing this. Their first response is that losing Akbar and Mon Mothma is a serious blow. Wedge says yes, but they're still replaceable just by people not as great. He explains that they had to relieve every Twi'lek aboard the Mon Ramonda of active duty, and this is what Warlord Gabor wants. He wants to create a divide where humans are villains. Let it go on for a year, let more and more populations feel like second-class citizens, and the divide will be so great that Warlord Gabor can waltz in and takes whatever he wants. That's not bad. The worst. Devious. Also very similar to Isard's plan. Yeah. <laughs> Except her plan was genocide. Yeah. <laughs> and his oh, is yeah. class warfare, basically. They're yeah. slightly different. Oh, no. <laughs> some Same, like, aspect. core intentions, but... I mean, and that's so Isard, though. She's like, "What? how can I do this? I know. I'll make a virus. <laughs> <laughs> that turns them all to goo. Right, I'll melt the bones off of some Gamorrean. Oh, That'll be fine. God, ice hard. Jeez. But the problem is that there really knows no like hard evidence of this. So how do they convince the Provisional Council? Akbar, Mon Mothma, Wedge, Han, and Leia are all out of the question. Wedge says they have to become geniuses, and they need to show that they know exactly what Warlord Gabor will do next. This will earn their trust. Piggy has an idea of where he fits in all this. It's already assumed that Warlord Gabor is testing on these populations because it's places where Imperials in the New Republic can't send spies. But what's more important than intelligence? Loyalty. And what if Warlord Gabor has found a way to force loyalty into being? Of course, it's Tycho that brings up the phrase brainwashing. We see that it's done fast. Jart was only on leave for a week. Taldira only ever took day trips. They need to work on their theory. I'm so glad Jart came back. Me too. <laughs> Was this the moment when... Oh, yeah. Because Tycho brought it up. Never mind. Yeah. Tycho was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. Corrin didn't have anything to say about it, though. Oh, imagine Corrin. <laughs> <laughs> what a but... surprise. Han is now looking at the ugliest ship he's ever seen, a.k.a. their, their replica of the Falcon. They're going ahead with the destroy with the decoy plan to take down Warlord Gabor. It's filled with explosives meant to crash into the Iron Fist. It's Chewie's job to make it look enough like the Falcon that it actually will work. 
Warlord Gabor is looking at the ugliest ship he's ever seen. <laughs> A.K.A. Or Gull. Poor Gully Gabor is like... Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. <laughs> A.K.A. The Second Death. Yes, well done, Warlord. <laughs> so good. Right? Is, is the second death part of Project Funeral? We'll never know. It's the second funeral. Gosh. It's a boxy monster, also filled with explosive pockets, that will shoot debris of Razor's Kiss everywhere. It will also auto-detonate if anything comes near it in hyperspace. And Warlord Gabor is just not going to tell the crew about that. The worst he's part. a good guy deep down. Uh, he's looking out for their feelings. He's just trying I'm to protect them. I'm not sure that's them. what he's doing. <laughs> the worst part about this murder machine is that it has something of a cloaking device. It's not invisible, but it only appears as a sensor anomaly and as a big black box in space. But it doesn't work 100% yet, and Warlord Gabor is confident they'll get it done. Back aboard the Mon Ramonda, Runt and Wiz are given crowns and scepters now that they are healthy, and it turns into a party. Shallow sits down next to Piggy and asks why he was relieved when Gas died. He explains that her survival allowed him to entertain the notion of not being alone, that she could have made a female Gamorian just as smart as he is. But it's double-edged because he knew his children would not have the same reasoning and intelligence that he does. But now that she's gone, he doesn't. He can focus. Oh, what a tragic Shall- character. Oh, Piggy. <laughs> Shallow takes his hand and reminds him that if he did have children, he would still impart worthy things to them, like his courage and commitment. But he can pass these things on to others, too. And that intellectually... Emotionally, your parents and children aren't related to you by blood at all. Oh, Wraiths. That's so sweet. Wraiths. <laughs> Piggy does find this to be some consolation, and they go off to dance. Dia and Face, of course, are in the middle of the dance floor. Of They've course. been observing Min and Lara. Dia remarks that they're not really together. Because Lara keeps relaxing, but then tensing and leaving space between them. Face retorts that she gave Min an opportunity for a kiss. Dia says she was just describing something, but that's when she wove it into the conversation, what she was doing with her eyes and hands at the same time. Face realizes that he recognizes it as Coruscant charm signing, which I'm super into. (laughs) It was something for the social elite, but it's used in the Imperial forces. She gave Min the correct sign for I'd accept a kiss. But men, of course, didn't know how to read it. They're so good together. They just, like, they just get each other. It's great. But also, why is there a sign for I'd accept a kiss? (laughs) Amazing. Why not? Face goes on to explain that he often catches Lara in body language that screams Coruscant, which he also uses the term throne worlder, which is amazing. (laughs) I want to be called a throne worlder. It's so good. It's so I suddenly good. get why Jay likes this planet. <laughs> because you're a throne worlder. That's so cool. Oh, so over the top. Super extra. Face knows something is up and he's going to put in a request for info with intelligence. But tomorrow, because tonight they will dance. Wedge comes aboard the faux falcon and takes a seat next to Han in the cockpit. 
Wedge stopped by the party, but he makes the kids nervous, so he was only there for a short time. Being command means you can't be one of the guys anymore. Wedge asks Han why he left the Falcon with Leia. He says it's because it's the most valuable thing to him, and by starting with her, maybe it would show that she's the most valuable person to him, and give her a reminder that he's there. Han's convinced that at some point, she's going to realize he's just charm and has nothing substantial to offer her. Maybe that's why he took this assignment, to show he could keep up in her world. But he sometimes just wants to give up and have Leia come home, but he knows that she'd be ashamed of him if he voiced this. Han would make a great wraith. <laughs> so this is actually like my favorite Han being in love with Leia discourse, was is this part here. Yeah, it's good. Because it's true. Um, <laughs> but also that Han is given... I think Han is seen is a lot softer in these books. Mm-hmm. And you see what Leia does, or what you briefly see at the end of Return of the Jedi when he's like, when Luke gets back, I won't get in the way. And he like really thinks about his relationship with Leia and like what he needs to do in order to like be worthy of her. And... It's just good. It's good stuff. <clears throat> Wedge has a three-point plan to make Han's wish come true. The first is that they open the hangar doors so Han can at least see the stars. I really am imagining that Wedge pulled out a PowerPoint to present this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> three, I have a three-point plan for community engagement. Part two is Wedge is going to stage a mutiny and take command of the Mon Ramonda. Great. (laughs) (laughs) When Min and Lara enter the officer's cafeteria, they see the tables rearranged and the people coupled in groups. They approach Han, Chewie, and Wedge's table where they're playing Sabak. Sabak? Doesn't matter. When Min tries to call, call him Sir, Wedge points out that he has no rank insignia on. And that Min needs to take off his, too. He tells Min that his astromech needs some rest and relaxation, so grab him and come back. Face comes in later with Vape and goes over the to the one who looks like Commander Antilles. Vape has a special feature where the command Vape, cold one, produces a chilled bottle of booze. <laughs> Not Wedge wasn't supposed to know about that, but Face tells Vape to go and play. Word spreads of Wedge's mutiny of anonymity and for all of those not on duty. When Min and Lara come back, the cafeteria is half full and looking just like a cantina. Even the astromechs are partying with each other, Whistler and Gate in a race around the room. The mutiny lasts for over 24 hours, Wedge and Han surviving until the last card game. Han asks what part three of the plan is, and it's to track down and blow up Warlord Gabor. The end. (laughs) <laughs> Wedge tells the rogues of their next plan Wedge and Ch- and I guess also the race are there too Wedge and Chewie will be flying the Millennium Falsehood into Kid Drift 5 yeah, it's we a need to that- talk about that <laughs> which part? Kid Drift? the Millennium, Millennium Falsehood. Falsehood it's so that's, good that's the real name uh, also Kid Drift good what? Danny was that he sighing in disappointment? We're the same. It's fine. <laughs> I, like, I like Millennium Falsehood. So Kidra 5 is a world that belongs to Warlord Gabor, but the security is supposed to be lax. 
There's also whispers of pro-New Republic sentiments there before the Empire was destroyed and Warlord Gabor took over. Their mission is just to go in, drop off some intelligence agents who try to make contact with any remaining activists, and stay long enough to be seen and fly out. They'll be doing this to as many worlds as possible until Warlord Gabor can develop a pattern of them and arrive hoping to destroy Han. Laura points out that maybe everyone will just try to kill them instead? Wedge explains that they are purposefully picking worlds that have lack security and may really not care in the end. Of course, the wraiths and interceptors will go in first to make sure that the planet is as easy as they suspect. Tycho's X-Wing will fly in with the Falcon and provide cover and the wraiths can help uh, if there's any trouble on the way out. They also use some old smuggling techniques to hinder counterattacks. As they leave the briefing, Tarragon remarks that this mission will be doomed because Runt sneezed when Wedge asked if there were any questions. Tarragon. <laughs> I love this. Like, what? whatever this is, I love it. <laughs> That's about the best way to describe it. <laughs> Face and Lara mock him for a bit, explaining that the sneeze was on purpose, a test of their newest weapon. He believes them for much longer than he should, but eventually he figures it out. Oh, I had a friend who Tarragon reminds me of so much. He was so embarrassing to be around. That sounds about right. Yeah, he was every so time he does embarrassing. something. It was so embarrassing. I love it. I hope they don't listen to the podcast. No, he, he hates me now. It's fine. Okay, cool. I mean, that's not cool, but... is it because you went around telling everyone that he was so embarrassing <laughs> to be around? So no, he turned into an MRA, so you know. Oh, pass. Oh, he would be embarrassing <laughs> to be around. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, he was embarrassing before that, but mm. no, that's the ultimate embarrassment. Mm. Yeah. All right. Rostat Manor, Manor. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a silent N. This entire these last few chapters have not been great for names. No. Yes, uh, compared to the rest of these books, which are always so great for names. I mean, considering like the first chapter of Jart. Right. Yeah, Jart was great. Yeah. Eric used everything just in that name. Great is a word that describes Jart. It sure is. Rostat Mar, being a good being, a good pilot. Is it the same? Sorry to keep interrupting. Is that, oh is that the same as Corrin's grandpa, Roasted Corn? Is it the same <laughs> no, first name? No, that's Roasted Corn. No, that was Roastick. Oh, Roastick, not Roastat. Roastick. Yeah. Stat. This has T's. The other one had a K. Okay. Anyway, I would have said Roasted Corn. <laughs> Roastat Mar, the N is silent, is a good being, a good pilot but he can't live with the fact that people will find out that there are Ewoks in his nose. The only way to protect a secret <laughs> is, is his nose really big or are the Ewoks He's really small? He's a Celestin, so I guess. But also the Ewoks are pretty small, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I have <laughs> discovered that I did not read this chapter and this is really weird for me. <laughs> I thought I did! That or I read it after taking my sleeping pills and forgot all of it. The second time that this has happened. I'm so mad because... unbelievable. It's okay, Saf. This part was weird for us reading it, too. (laughs) It wasn't any clearer when we were reading it. This is chapter 9. I read chapter 9. I must have... I must have taken my sleeping pills. 
okay. had forgotten it all. <laughs> right. Well, this will be fun then. <laughs> so, Saf, quick tip for next week. Yeah, don't take my sleeping pills and read it. I know. Just, just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> quick all right. Whoop. All right. The only way to protect a secret is to crash the cruise vessel he's piloting into Coruscant's surface. When his human captain asked if he was okay, he shoots her, but it turns out to be a stun blast. He looks back at Spord and sees that the cruiser is no longer heading toward this planet's surface. Nurm, a very junior officer, has taken control of the ship and refuses to give it back. He shoots Rostat with a stun blast before Rostat can kill himself. His mission failed. The intelligence officer with Nurm sends a signal. Yep, that was weird. Yep. Mostly the, the part, elder crack is the part is there. where he thought Ewoks were in his nose. Right. <laughs> but who would name their kid Nurm? Nurm. Yes, that was the weird part. That was the weird part. <laughs> the elder Kraken receives the signal from the intelligence officer. He goes back to his desk to watch a message from Wedge Antilles. He's describing how Warlord Gabor is brainwashing particular alien species that would be the most detrimental to the state of the New Republic. He says the terrorist activities will be in line with what the species is known for, so Bothans will be doing technology and hack jobs, Celestins, like Rostat, would be piloting-related, Godals and Twi'leks as single warriors trying to be in line with their warrior heritage. If Kraken can find these patterns, they can be sure that Warlord Gabor is behind them. We once again for- see the age-old Star Wars tradition of defining alien species by the one thing that we saw them doing in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Come on. Not all Bothans are experts in human psychology, all right? But they are all bad spies. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're computer-related, not spy-related. <laughs> At first, the Elder Kraken rolled his eyes... But as he looked into it more, it made too much sense. He put agents out to track these cases. And now that he has apprehended some of the brainwashed individuals, he wishes Wedge would make a switch over to intelligence. Everybody wants Wedge. Except, Except the women he tries to recently date. widowed women. Yep. <laughs> no, I they mean, do. They, they do. Yeah. <laughs> Questionably they widowed women. They have an obligation to their surprise still alive husband. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. As the rogues and wraiths suit up, Wedge watches out for a few pilots in particular. Gavin would be flying without a wingmate, looking unusually serious, but at least not distracted. Corrin is hiding all his feelings deep down. The fact that Taldira may have been able to be saved, probably eating away at him. Tyria is still obviously upset, but she has the best support system. Kel has been there for her and even had her talk to Wiz, which Wiz says helped. Dia is still there, helping the other wraiths doing her part. Tarragon is also sticking good luck totems all over Runt's X-Way. Wasn't it like of pieces course. of bread? Something, in like stickers. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> uh... And Runt's just like, shoo, shoo. <laughs> <laughs> Wiz comes up to Wedge telling him to go face his mistake. Wedge has no idea what he's talking about until Wiz points out that Wedge can't understand Wookie. Wedge asks for Wiz to send Emtray or Squeaky along with them, preferably Squeaky. 
Wiz just so happened to tell the rest of the pilots, and they made bets on how Wedge would react. Tyria won, saying that he'd say Sith spit. Wedge vows revenge. Those silly wraiths are up to their antics again. (laughs) In case you didn't know. Yes. Wedge vows revenge on Wiz, but Wiz says that... That's that 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 would be beneath Wedge and Tilly's hero of the New Republic. But Wiz smiles falters as Wedge grins and dismisses him. Kel leads the ties into Kidrift's five atmosphere. They're hailed and Kel takes the lead, explaining that they're there for recreation. He lies to say that their ship isn't coming with them to give them the show of being important people with hyperdrive enabled ties. They're there to spend money and Kidrift leaves them alone. Kel reports the data back to the falsehood. Aboard the falsehood, Squeaky asks if he can get combat pay. Wedge says only if they're fired at, but otherwise he does get hazardous duty pay. Chewie remarks that he'd be happy to rip off his legs and hit them with it to guarantee combat pay. Chewie needs to chill on the ripping Chewie off is not robot chill limbs thing. Right no. Now. Chewie would eat a porg in this mood. <laughs> he is a super carnivore after all. <laughs> As they fly in, Drake's squadron takes a loop around, debating on where they should go for their funsies. In reality, it's so Kel can find a good site for the falsehood to land. They go back to the city, and Kel orders Tarragon and Shala to stay with the ties. Tarragon whines, but Kel goes over and, and gets in his, climbs up on his interceptor, getting in his face, and asks him a series of questions of just what does he think will happen when he goes to a bar, takes off his helmet, and a Devaronian pilot is seen. Tarragon sits back down, obviously. (laughs) I appreciate Kel right now. Right? He's just like, buddy, come on. I know you're like 12, but come on. (laughs) Wedge sets the falsehood down with gentle precision. Squeaky and Chewie are still fighting. Wedge goes to let the intelligence agents out, only known to him as Bland 1, Bland 2. Tycho sets his X-Wing down nearby, and when he turns his lights off, it's like no one is there. Wedge settles in for a long wait with his bickering companions. When the rogues and wraiths settle into orbit around Kidriff's moods, Face remembers his unread mail that he had forwarded to Vape since he forgot to set an alarm that morning. The first is a letter from his sister, a bright bit of home to distract him. The second was the response to his query about Laura Notzel and Adalia Monothere. It's the most super secret, highest level of intelligence. The file on Laura is exactly what he expected, basically nothing they already knew. Colonists don't usually report stuff that happens on their faraway planets. The file on Adalia Monothere was equally sparse. A trained actress who caught the eye of Iceheart's father, former head of Imperial Intelligence. Wait, why are we? Why is he looking up? Who's Monothere again? Uh, that was the name of. So remember when they're in the Coruscant Galactic Space History Museum, yeah. and the old man came up to Lara and was like, "Oh my, uh, oh it's Adalia." Oh right, okay, yeah. And Lara was like, "Uh no, definitely not me. Nobody I know." Uh. <laughs> She's so smooth. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's why face is like. Also suspicious. Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, Monothear was trained as an actress and then turned into an intelligence agent while Iceheart's father was the head. 
Her and her husband were arrested and convicted for treason, which was usually the intelligence way of dealing with subordinates who weren't actually traitors, but just did something to piss their higher-ups off. Face brings up the info on her husband. There's nothing there of interest except his name, Dahl's Pedothel. And Face has a very bad feeling about this. Ooh, that's not good. Okay. So when I first read this, Mm -hmm. I thought that this was implying that Lara is an ice heart, but that's not what it's implying. Correct? No. Because it it's seemed implying- like when when he said like she caught the eye of Iceheart, I was like, oh wait, does that mean that they did it and then they made a Lara? But I, that that just means that he she like worked for him, right? Yes. Yeah, so he was yeah. impressed with her acting talents, so he recruited her to be a spy in Imperial Intelligence. Got it. Impressed with her acting talents, not her acting talents. Correct. Okay. No. Yes. So the problem part is that Face knows the name Pedithel. And knows exactly what Min would do if he happened to meet someone with the last name of Pedithel. And maybe right. with the first name that has a first name that's suspiciously like Laura, but maybe one of the letters is different. <laughs> maybe, just maybe. <laughs> so Monothir is her mother, we're, we're suspecting. Yes. Got yes. it. Yes. Squeaky wakes Wedge and Chewy just before dawn. They notice that there's a ship out there in a search grid, but that's it. Not a concentrated search. He gets the falsehood ready, and Tycho is already set. Drake's squadron is ready to go, just waiting for the locals to flush them out. I feel like bad things are going to happen. Correct. Nah. (laughs) There's only like 150 pages left. There's no way that bad things could happen in there. Not like a ton of bad things haven't already happened in this book. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had a super dramatic sad death yet, I think, so. Mm, Yet. Taldira was kind of but also not because we didn't really know him. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll we'll get one soon enough, I have a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Everyone's fine. Everyone is totally fine. All right, should we do some listener questions? Listener questions! Let's do it! All right, last week we asked you all, well, two weeks ago we asked you, if this interaction was one of Min's better romantic interactions, how have some of his previous encounters gone down? Did we need to answer this still? We did need to answer this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in mine, Min had been like on two or three dates with somebody and he thought it was going super well, but then he stopped like hearing back from them when he tried to keep sending them comms and sending them messages and stuff. But then he actually runs into her in person and she just says right to his face, new phone, who dis? And just turns around and walks away. Nice. Oh, boy. Aww. Nice. I think he he was on a date with a girl and it was going really well and they were like chilling next to each other and he's trying to be real smooth. He's like, what are you thinking about? And she kind of just looks off to the distance and goes, think about some mixed wings right now. And she's like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I think that whenever men had a date that went sour it always happened right around the time when he would say the words well actually but he's never able to put two and two together oh no i'm gonna say that min has a reputation at all of the local bars for just like being the guy who just passes out every night so you can never go to the same bar more than like once every month Oh, buddy. Because they're just, like, all tired of him. Buddy. Yep. 
And he keeps trying to hit with the bartenders. Yep. Yep. Never Uh, works. Oh, man. Because he never remembers who they are. No. (laughs) Never. Well, luckily, Lara is definitely the one to pull him out of his slump. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah, everything's going to be fine. Min will finally have a successful relationship without any baggage or issues. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So with someone we've never met before, obviously. (laughs) (sighs) All right, listeners, let's get to your answers. Ian Miller wrote us a fic. Oh, my gosh. Um, I admittedly didn't read it because it came with a warning that says... All of us except for Meg can't read chapter two yet, and I know myself once I start reading Do it, not I won't read. stop. Do not so, read. yep, I will. Oh, okay. I haven't read it, and I have bookmarked it for when we finish the book. Yeah, but I'm gonna do the same. Thank you, Ian, for writing an entire fic for us. And then he it's also amazing. added. Yeah. He also added. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my fic didn't update the exploits of everyone's favorite higher moth, but I got a bit carried away in my imagination. Last oh. imagination. <laughs> and then he said he's my fave. So thank you for writing a fic about your fave, Ian. Ben Warman said, Min would be the guy to walk up to a lady in a bar and say, Hey, wanna insert chopper noise here. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, buddy. Cue a slap and drink in the face. This is what happens at the bars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm trying to yep. decide which of the chopper noise words goes in there. <laughs> So many. There's, a, like there's a lot. A lot of options here. There's a lot of options. Oh, oh. Yeah, so many. Raising Fangirl said, Min is at the local space bar working his best lines to scantily clad Twi'lek when all of a sudden, Corrin Horn walks in. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh you don't stand a chance, Min. Wait. Oh, no. <laughs> Corrin just ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> Amy said, Min's... Failed come-on attempts all stem from his favorite book, How to Not Get Rejected in 12 Words or Less, Especially When You're Dead Inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 12 words. Oh, that's so good. a special afterword by Corrin (laughs) Oh, my God. Every part of that title is brilliant. Oh, my God. So good. Oh, gosh. Now you think of a 12-word phrase that includes, like, Sorry, I can't make out with you. I'm thinking about my dad. (laughs) (laughs) That is 12 words. It fits. (laughs) Sorry, I can't make out with you. I'm thinking about my dad. Yep. (laughs) Nice. Nice Nice job. Also, Meg, you should put that on a t-shirt. I will. (laughs) Please do. I will 100% put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. That is actually... My trash aesthetic, so yeah. <laughs> Finally, also, he, said, I think you need to Photoshop this book, please and thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah, I definitely do. Put that in your email with Jusofet. Yeah, right, with Jusofet. Add it to the list. <laughs> Jusofet is so good. I'm picturing this like independent juicery with like a super hipster logo that's like the Boba Fett silhouette. Um. <laughs> and the name of the business is Jusofet. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Anyway. (laughs) It's so something. Mika said the reason for Anakin's existence is that Shmi lost any interest in physical reproduction after Min tried to hook up with her. Oh, my God! (laughs) Buddy! Uh, 
<laughs> it's rare that we get a prequel reference in these, and this is oh like god, a good one. That's a really Heavage. good one. Uh, all right, a banger. Glistening Bodies. Um, Amy and Mika, I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And also, I want to give one to Ian for writing a, a whole fic. That's also that's some commitment. Yeah, yeah. min imagination is really good. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to nominate Ben and Raising Fangirls for a slightly smaller glistening booty. Yeah, these were all yeah. really good. They were good. They were good. Well done, everyone. So, is this really this week's question? <laughs> In the show notes. <laughs> Why not? Why don't Unless we... someone has something better. <laughs> he might. Sorry, I can't type. <laughs> there it is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I like mine so... better. <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. Mine was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> for for the record, Danny's was literally. Make up a Star Wars name <laughs> with a question mark at the end. Well, yeah, it's a listener question. <laughs> so it's not a listener question if there is not a question mark at the end. Okay, you've got a point. So none of you need to do that because we're asking you instead to, based on Amy's listener question from question response from this week, pick a rogue or a race and write for them a twelve-word pickup line that they would use in a bar. Yes. Good. We're gonna need we, a week. Yeah, to we play. we obviously need a week to do this, so this we'll get good. back. To you. I don't know. Apparently, I could just spout out twelve word phrases. <laughs> yeah, Meg, Meg already answered this question. <laughs> yeah. All right, listeners. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so excited for this one. Hit us up at Twitter at Rogue Podron. Find us at our website roguepodron.tumblr.com. Email us roguepodron at gmail.com. Subscribe to us via the Rogue Podrum feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play. And Danny, do we have an iTunes review? We sure do. I just checked and I'm so excited. This one is great. So this is from our new best friend, Ra3457. Thank you, Ra. What a good name. And the review is titled Insightful and Hilarious. And we got five stars. Nice job, everyone. The review says... Saf, Meg, Heath, and Danny provide a witty, insightful, hilarious, and appropriately critical review of the gargantuan roster of Star Wars books, analyzing characters, storylines, and themes with millennial gusto. Oh, oh. millennial gusto! That's, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever said. The new me. title of my memoirs. Millennial gusto. Definitely adding that to our Twitter bio. Yeah. Yes. Millennial gusto. Raw 3457 goes on to say, let's make sure I get this right. Wait, there's more? Oh, yeah, there's more. Oh, my God. All right. Pew, 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 pew. Awesome podcast that will have you laughing in public and people looking weirdly at you. It's awesome. Oh, That made my weight. So thank you for that awesome review, Raw 3457. And here's a raw, raw, raw for you, too. Ugh, Danny. Okay, actually, <laughs> have a glistening Bodie. Have yeah. a glistening Bodie. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We each got a star and a quarter. <laughs> I have the biggest smile. Oh my gosh. That's great. <laughs> so pleased. All right. Well, next time, join us for X-Wing Solo Command, chapters 10 through 12. 
And if anybody is going to be in New York City, specifically Brooklyn, this weekend, I will be there for FlameCon. Wait. Uh, Heath lives in Brooklyn. He sure does. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm so jealous. We sure are going to hang out. Oh, I'm so jealous. Have fun. Yeah. Get your FOMO ready. But also, if you happen to be at FlameCon this weekend, come try to find me. <laughs> but not Heath. Just Meg. Just, just Meg. Meg. Don't try to find Heath. Remember, I'll he'll just, turn you, you to stone. You can't I'll find be, Heath. I'll be somewhere in Brooklyn. You cannot. <laughs> I tried luck. to find Heath like at Star Wars <laughs> Celebration. Did not work. <laughs> I blend in with all the other generic white men. Too difficult. All right. So. Pew, 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 pew. Right, there that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew 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 Oh, good plan. Yeah, also <laughs> good plan. Also great plan. Saf, can you say some derisive things about me too so I can check your sound levels? Good plan, Danny. Good great. plan. Okay, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> great. Are we ready? Are sound levels ready? Danny? Danny? Danny's gone. Danny? Why is he listening? What? What's up? Are we good? I don't know. Are you good? You have a sound check. <laughs> you're you're great. You're all just you're all just so great. Thank you for the validation. Yeah. All right. We're all doing our best. We sure are. We all showed up, and that's what counts. Participation medals for everybody. Yay. Tonight, right. I'm millennial, Padron. Yeah. <laughs>